0: This is Shutterzink with Bruce Williams. Hi and welcome to episode 498 of Shutterzink. This is Bruce Williams from ShuddersInkPodcast.com and joining me once again from Allentown in Pennsylvania, it is Mr. Joe Edelman. How are you, Joe? Hello, Bruce. How are you? Mate, I'm good. What's been so happening? you called. Where's Glenn this week? Uh, <laughs> he's He's out doing his secret squirrel stuff again. Ah, okay. He's uh, he's got a, a a gig for Tamron where he's you know doing the promo photos for what will be the the launch images for a new lens. Got it. At so,
1: least at least that's what he tells you. He probably you that, that whole line. Like if he if he tells you what it really is, he'd have to kill you. Does he use that story? Is that it? Pro- probably okay. is. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's the that's the tame version. <laughs>
0: so uh yeah so he's doing that at the moment Um uh, so we wish him well because you know our our governments are, are so quick to uh change their minds on the ability of the populace to move freely around the place uh these days it's uh, anything can change on you know pretty much the flip of a coin so i hope i hope he's out there and you know being able to be productive and get shot what needs to be shot so yeah
1: <laughs> cool yeah i, I kind of wish we had that uh not being able to move problem here in the u.s our governors are all jumping the gun and say and hey masks yeah social distancing who needs that crap just just go for it so, yeah yeah
0: yeah it's i saw i saw dr fauci come out yesterday um having a, a go at the the governors you know the state governors who are yep. sort of relaxing the reins a bit too soon and Fauci's basically saying, you know, we've got to keep it locked down. Otherwise, we're going to have another wave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, our numbers are on the rise. So they're oh, doing no, this while again? the numbers are going up. And their argument is, well, yeah, but we've got vaccines coming. jeez. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. So,
0: yeah. yeah. But you've got 250 hey, yeah. million people that need to get jabbed for that to be effective. That's right. <laughs> yep. Well actually I think the- I think your population is more than that now. I think you're closer to three hundred, oh, yeah. aren't
1: you? Yeah, it's it's well over that, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. So anyway.
1: So what's what's big in photography this week? That's depressing talk. We need to move on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's just <laughs> Uh what
0: is big in photography this Surely, week?
1: Surely Sony came out with a camera, didn't they? They must have a new camera. Like, you know, it's been it's been what, three weeks since the A one? Come on. Yeah,
0: you would think so. There'll have to be rumours starting to circulate any day now about what's oh, coming next. Oh, yes, I next. missed that. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, there are, actually, there are rumours of the specs for what will be the A7 Mark IV. You know, I can't keep track of them. What do they have, like 18 or 19 full-frame cameras now? I mean, like who, who does that? Who needs that? I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many models there are, but, yeah, there'd be quite a few. I, I think at the
1: end of the day, the, the marketing people at Sony are going to go down in history as the most brilliant marketers <laughs> ever. Yeah, right. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. They may, it's before I get all hate mail and we get in trouble, you know, Sony makes great gear, gang. Don't, yeah. don't get mad at me, right? I'm, I'm not trying to be snipey because I'm a brand ambassador for a different company. Just keeping it real, though. Like, yeah. what do you possibly need with that many cameras? Like, what yeah. you got is a company with a brilliant marketing team
0: definitely and and i guess you know it's a company that doesn't have to rely on its photographic arm for for sure it's bread and butter That's you know correct. they they make so much money out of their film division out of their PlayStation, you know business the you know their gaming yep. side you know they've got so many fingers in different pies that you know they can probably afford to be a little bit of a loss leader on the camera side,
1: and I, uh, I don't, I don't know if they
0: are, but but I'm saying they they could if they if they needed to be. Sure. Um And yeah, well, keep and, in mind too, their their cameras
1: are in a large part also proof of concept for their sensor development, which they in yes. turn sell to other companies. Yeah. So again brilliant company like I, I don't mean to any of this as a put down it's meant to be lighthearted, but indeed they they do make an awful lot of cameras that people yeah. seem to be really excited to have multiple versions of so
0: i know yeah. i know i mean i'm on you know one of the sony alpha groups on facebook and mm-hmm. the number of times i see people saying oh you know i've i've just you know bought the the latest thing that sony's released and i've relegated my you know 12 month old camera to second shooter position and the mm-hmm. the camera that i bought 12 months before that's going in the dustbin kind of thing <laughs> <like>, yeah really <laughs> Indeed, you know yeah. I, my a850 yeah. i shot with that for 10 years and you know and i it was it's still a great camera even today um it, i very sure. rarely get it out of the drawer but it's still a great camera Uh, And the only reason I updated was because the low noise capabilities of the the newer sensors just absolutely left my A850 for dead. Um, And I really appreciate being able to shoot at higher ISOs and not have, Mm -hmm. you know, so much noise that you can't stand to look at the images. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Anyway. And what is new in your world, Mr. Edelman?
1: Uh, honestly, that's that's about it. Just uh, <laughs> plugging along, you know, teaching online class. It's still the same, man. I, yep. I feel so. I'll full disclosure. I I had a birthday today. Oh, and I, I'm not gonna lie, though. I'm kind of irritated. Happy like, birthday! I feel, especially at my age, given the way the last year has gone. Because literally, like today, last year, I was standing in front of 300 people delivering a keynote speech in Florida. So I've just decided, I, you know, like the the way that i am squaring this all off and and just coming to peace with it i want a refund on 2020 i i want a year back <laughs>
0: totally. i,
1: I cuz i it's like yeah this is just not working for me it's yep. just not so but now other than that uh you know i'm i'm finally i'm finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel i've actually booked my first in-person speaking engagements which won't happen until august of this year yep but um and ironically of all places it's in Texas, where they just eliminated the mask law <laughs> of course that that decision was made the day after I signed the contract oh, to do this speaking engagement uh, so yeah, hopefully I will be able to get my vaccination before then um, yep. but um, yeah, so I'm at least uh, I'm feeling you know good about the idea that all right, I'm, I'm going to start to, you know, at some point we, we've got to get back out into the world. I understand people wanting to get back to normal, For but sure. it's, you know, it's intimidating. It's kind of scary. Even with the vaccination, it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. It just makes sure you're not going to die. It just so, minimizes okay, the impact. Yeah. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm in no rush to get it period, but <laughs> I, at the same time, I can't spend the rest of my life, you know, sitting in front of a microphone. So yeah, we'll, uh, yeah' you know, kind of looking forward to the end of the year to yeah you know, try and get things back back on the road
0: well yesterday I Booked my airfare to fly to Western Australia to try and this is this is my oh, third so th- my third attempt. I was going to say, when is that for? <laughs> that way, we know when Australia's going to shut down again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, flying flying out of Sydney on Good Friday uh, ah, over to Perth. Go. I'll be over there by lunchtime, uh, and then pick up a hire car and drive out to the town where my family are located, which is about two and a half hours drive out of Perth.
1: Oh goodness! Okay. And
0: uh, then basically just spend Saturday and most of Sunday there, and then Sunday afternoon drive back to Perth, and then Monday morning jump on a plane back to Sydney. So that's Easter Monday. Uh, right. Get home. Get home Monday night, and back to work on Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah.
1: See if this trip gets rescheduled. You need to go on television and start proclaiming that you have predicted the shutdowns every one of them, successfully. <laughs> exactly
0: and, <you> know, so. <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway we'll uh wait and see what happens it's a a long way to go for such a short period of time but unfortunately it is what it is so yeah yep anyway i saw uh on twitter this morning uh, adobe promoting adobe max for this year online and virtual yes so i thought we'd give them a a brief mention uh it'll be october 26 27 and 28 of 2021 Uh, for anyone who wants to uh visit virtually i will put the link in the show notes and uh yeah Uh, and david marlin sent us a couple of stories uh one Mm -hmm. about nfts uh non-fungible tokens uh, yep. for, for those who are not up to speed uh, it's a basically it it uses blockchain technology and it is a token which cannot be transferred to another entity so once it's been sold to somebody actually I don't even know if that's right do you know Joe like once you have an nft can you you surely you can sell it on to somebody else it just means you can't keep it at the same time is that right I believe that is correct, yes. The
1: actual, the actual inner workings of it, I would not even a- attempt to make it sound like I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm probably just a step ahead of those people that still think, oh, it's all that dark web voodoo stuff. <laughs> so um, I, at least, I at least understand you know, what they're trying to do and, and, and where yeah. they're trying to go with it and uh, very minimally how it works. But yep. the actual workings, I, I'm i not sure.
0: So the, the, the great concept of the blockchain is what's called a distributed ledger. And basically what that means is if you think of a traditional database that any company might keep on all of its clientele and its customers and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that is basically one database of information that lives in one place it lives on one server you know presumably at the company that owns it and right. if that server gets hacked then the information that's contained in that database can be you know broken apart disseminated sold whatever or corrupted the beauty of a distributed ledger uh, which is what this you know what blockchain technology works on is the idea that Every single person who's involved in the transactions, not not just in a transaction, but anyone who's ever used the blockchain, they're all carrying a small part of the public distributed ledger. And so every time a transaction occurs, it basically gets verified against everybody else's copy of the ledger. Which sounds okay. like, hang on, surely that means moving, you know, gigabytes and gigabytes of data, but it actually doesn't because of the way right. it's encoded and broken down. So the beauty of this is that it cannot be hacked. Having said that, there have been one or two, you know, quite high-profile stories like Mount Gox, which was a Bitcoin mm-hmm. repository that, that did get hacked, but I, I don't right. know the ins and outs of how that happened. But the idea of all of this stuff is that It can't be hacked. And the idea of these NFTs is that they are now starting to be used for the sale of digital assets, i.e. artwork and or music and presumably eventually movies as well. Right. Anything you want to add on this, Joe? Because I feel like I'm sort of dominating uh, I, the conversation here.
1: No, no, I mean, that's okay. I actually, you, you know, you've kind of put a couple pieces together for me. I, I, my, like I said, my understanding is kind of more at like the 50,000 foot level. I think that it's, I think that it's very interesting and I think that it's fascinating and I would encourage any photographer, myself included, because I need to bring myself more up to speed, I would encourage any photographer to not ignore it. However, that said, it's not going to impact or have any value on 99.9% of (laughs) camera owners in the world for quite some time. And and the reason for that is, you know, at the end of the day, uh, this is something that will first benefit if if it continues to take hold and if it continues to grow. And the, the early indications are... It will first benefit artists who, and I'm notice I'm using the word artists, not photographers, because uh, yeah. it's going to benefit people who are doing things that are truly unique, outside the box, revolutionary. Most people with a camera cannot claim that. Successfully. <laughs> so, so remember, you know, when it comes to art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, there are people that will spend millions and millions and millions of dollars for a piece of art. And, and for, for anybody that is, you know, interested in getting a, in a little bit more of a sense uh, in terms of how does that part of the art world work, HBO has a film called The Price of Everything. Check that out. It's nothing about an NFTs, but it kind of gives you a sense of the thought process of how art is evaluated. And and also, you know, you'll see firsthand some of the stuff that is getting evaluated at these insanely high prices some people are going to love it. Other people are going to stand there and scratch their heads and say, <laughs> "What the hell is that?" Like, you know, so beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yep. I I think to me, where what I like about it is the the plan, where if you are the creator of something and you create something and you are able to sell it via an NFT you will essentially, the the current plan is, you will essentially own 10% of that piece of art in perpetuity, forever. So in the art world today, the traditional art world, you could create a painting, sell it for $50,000. 10 years down the road, if that painting sells for $5 million, you get zero, nothing. The person who purchased it from you gets the 5 million dollars. You you uh, you have no claims on profits made from right. that. So the idea here is that the you know the creator is essentially attached to this piece forever. Um, I think that's a fascinating concept and honestly I think the music industry is going to be where we're going to see people jump all over
0: that really really quickly. So yeah. are you saying that if an NFT Gets sold Mm -hmm. on the secondary market. So after the creator has sold it to buyer number one, if buyer number one sells it to buyer number two, whatever buyer number gets ten percent of that sale price, the second sale price, whatever it is, and that continues in
1: perpetuity. That is correct. Every time the so it's like a royalty. Yes, exactly. That's that why I think cool. that the music industry is who's going to jump in on this big time. Totally. And then, of course, we also have to factor in... You know, and kind of like Bitcoin, of course, has gotten the attention of many governments, including, like, our government here. You know, there there comes a point where the governments of the world, who, of course, hold the money, are going to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, you can't be taking all of this money out of our economy without us, you know, attaching something to it. So at some point... We've also got to be realistic that, that governments are going to get involved. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, realistically, let's face it, they probably should, because in theory, if we took all the money out of, you know, the government cycles, then we'd have a big problem on our hands. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's exciting. I, I do think it's exciting because it's people thinking outside the box. It's totally. people that are doing it in a way that does actually benefit creators because we all know as a creator, it's not the easiest thing in the world to make money, especially not as as an artist per se. You know, when we're talking about being a portrait photographer, a wedding photographer, that you're fulfilling a need and providing a service. An artist that that's truly just creating something that's unique and it's different that hopefully someone will want to put up on their wall and admire, that's a much harder path to take. Yeah. So the idea that we're thinking outside the box and we're, you know, we're looking at something that is obviously not just satisfying financial people, but also satisfying the artists, I think is wonderful. I just think it's too early to get excited. You read the articles, even the article that you sent me the link to. You you know, you see some of the numbers that are thrown around, and, and <laughs> you know, well, yeah, this guy drives a Lamborghini. And it's like, in that sense, it's no different than any old fashioned multi level marketing scheme. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but but it's no different in the sense that. The first adopters are always the ones that yep. are going to have the big stories to tell. Yeah. So, we need to give it some time. We, I think, need to be thankful that there are people with crazy amounts of money that will throw it around to see what they can turn it into. Yep. So, I think, I think it's got some potential. But uh, definitely, I would encourage photographers, don't ignore it. At least pay attention so that hey, exactly. if we get to a point where there's critical mass and it's worth getting on board, then at least you, you know what you're looking at.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because i did see uh somewhere in that story mention of it having all of the hallmarks of a ponzi scheme sure but i i agree with you i think it's early days and it behooves all of us to even if you're not involved at least be on the sidelines and watching and paying attention to what is happening Absolutely. in the space because I I still scratch my head at the concept of Bitcoin, not <laughs> yep. only because it's a challenge to fiat currency and governments are not going to let that go without, you know, right. <laughs> getting their hands on it, as you said, a few minutes ago, uh, but also because it strikes me, certainly in the current environment, that it's never going to be a valid form of currency because it is too volatile you know you yep. don't want to be you know using a bitcoin today to buy a pizza like the guy 10 years ago to then find out that tomorrow that bitcoin could have bought you a house right you know that kind of volatility renders it useless as a currency right so, I, you know, I kind of see it more as a just another investment instrument at this point in time. But yep. again, you know, you just got to keep your eye on the ball, I guess. I'd like to break into the podcast briefly to mention that we now have a Patreon account. If you get... Any value at all from our photographic giggle fest each week. We'd really appreciate it if you could spare a couple of bucks a month just to help keep the servers running. The link will be in the show notes. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast.
1: And, I mean, we've been, I'm sure you guys have seen in the news, we've been going through the whole craze here with the stock market and the stocks from GameStop. Oh, which yes. were being, they were being <laughs> shorted by all the hedge funds. Yep. And, you know, some financial whiz on Reddit of all places, you know, starts <laughs> telling people, hey, go buy this stock and we can make a ton of money. Well, the great part of it is the first people on board that actually understood what they were doing, yep. not, they did. They made a ton of money. They got in. You know, they basically blew this whole thing up. But the problem is then everybody else comes along that doesn't really understand it, but they're reading all these headlines that are, oh, my God, buy GameStop. I can be rich. Yep. And those people lost money that they couldn't afford to lose. Yep so it's they're stuffing the wallets of
0: the first adopters (laughs) right so (laughs) i
1: i agree with the people that support what happened via reddit i agree with the people behind bitcoin and the people behind the nfts i mean we should always be looking for you know better ways to be doing things but unfortunately i don't know that society will ever get to a point where all things are even I don't know that that's actually possible with humans. No so you know there are there are going to be people that will have more than others that will be richer and wealthier and smarter, and I don't know that that's part of I don't know that that's going to change with the evolution that is yet to come. so uh, I think that just the idea at least that we're looking at these options and and you know looking at ways to I I guess my thing for NFT, the only reason it piques my interest is because it does benefit the creator. Yeah, That is unique and novel. And so I see that as a potentially great evolutionary step for, you know, for art where where it's, you know, it's not only finance, but it's also for artists. Yeah. uh, Whether it be music, painters, photographers. Um, So to me, that's that's where it's like, okay, let's
0: keep an ear on this because that's kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the idea of the perpetual royalty is, mm-hmm. you know, that's that in itself is one step that goes beyond anything that we've currently got. Because, right. you know, you can go into a music store and buy, you know, a piece of vinyl or a CD or whatever, and you've supported the artist in a small way because they, you know, they get maybe 5% of the, the retail cost of, you know, that piece of vinyl or that CD. Right. But, That's the last, you know, bit of financial retribution they're going to see from that particular sale. You know, you could then take that piece of vinyl or that CD to a second-hand music store and sell it on because you're in financial distress, but Mm -hmm. none of that transaction goes back to the artist. It just goes into the pocket of the guy running the shop you sold it to. So the idea of this, you know, perpetual royalty attached to the NFT is fantastic. I think that's a great step forward and something that, you know, we've been missing for a long, long time. So yeah, Yeah. exciting times ahead. Indeed. Indeed. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, so I will put the link that David Marlin sent us uh, on that story in the show notes for those that want to check it out. Cool. And the other story that David sent to us was about an artist, Hoda Afshar, uh, who has created an installation here in Australia, down in Victoria, uh, outside St. Paul's Cathedral in Melbourne, of basically these. 3D-printed busts of whistleblowers from various, you know, cases and stories here in Australia. (laughs) All of these busts were created by first photographing the subjects. Now, it says on 110 cameras. I'm assuming that means 110 film-style cameras. I'm, I'm assuming they didn't mean... Right, 110 cameras. (laughs) I'm assuming it meant Uh, cameras that use 110 film. That's my understanding. I might be completely wrong. I don't know. And then using those photos to then generate these 3D... What do they call... Do they call it a recipe for a 3D printer? Uh, Actually, I'm not sure. But, you know, as I'm looking at this, Bruce, I I
1: actually think it might have been 110 cameras in order to create... In order to create the depth right okay, but but the article is not clear, so I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like, um, yeah. Yeah, I did. I'm just looking for it in the text. Um, I know I saw it there earlier, and now I can't. Uh, yeah, I saw find it, it mentions
1: it. it mentions it in a caption of one of the photos. Oh, is it in one of the which captions? Which is what makes me think that maybe, indeed, it is actually 110 cameras. Yeah, Afshar
0: but- photographed her subjects using 110 cameras. But that could also mean cameras that you, you shoot one ten film. <laughs> uh, oh, then three yeah. D okay. printed busts of each person using that data. I can't remember what the term is. I, d- I don't think it's recipe, but there is a name for ah. Oh, here the- it is. It's it's in the article.
1: All the way down at the bottom of the page. She flew flew each person to Melbourne to photograph them using a system of 110 cameras, which allowed her to essentially create a 360-degree portrait. She (sighs) used the composite image to generate a 3D-printed sculpture of each whistleblower. See, it would help if you read the article. (laughs) Clint and I say that all the time. (laughs) There you go. So, and then here, so here, you know I'm all about hows and whys and solving problems. So it goes on to say, she was fascinated to discover that the one thing that the the 110 cameras could not capture was the details in her subject's eyes, which... Resulted in kind of a glazed over effect, which is why the images all look like a little eerie. Yeah, it goes on to say this accidental byproduct of the process had a certain poetic resonance for the photographer. It reminded her of the eyes on ancient Greek busts.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking that they did very much look like you know ancient Greek busts that you would see in a museum because the eyes are simply just you know they're smooth as eyes should be but you don't see the you know the colors that we would see when we look at either a a photograph or a painting of somebody's eye um yeah but anyway interesting uh interesting that is very cool yeah that is very cool what have you been talking about this week with your tog live chats Oh, gosh, what do we do this week? I had an interview with the guy. He's, he's
1: actually, he's a friend of mine. I, I say friend in the sense that I've known him for a few years. We, we cross paths a lot at uh, photography trade shows here in the US. But he likes to describe himself as the most famous photographer in Oklahoma. That nobody has ever heard of, and right. I, I took it I took it a step further because I think he undersells himself a little bit, so i I declared that he is probably the most famous photographer in the world that no one has ever heard of <laughs> uh, his name is his name is Robert Trawick. Right. he is he's just a super awesome guy he's been a photographer for thirty plus years he uh kind of first learned the trade in the United States Air Force. he was a combat photographer, and now he You know, he does the grind, really. He's not like some epic, iconic photographer, but he's a guy that does portraits and weddings. He runs workshops. He does a lot of teaching. And he is just a ball of energy. He is a great guy. He's the kind of guy that will, you know, do anything to help people out. And so I just, I really appreciate his, I appreciate his work ethic for the community. I think that's where him and I kind of have a lot in common and we have a mutual admiration for each other you know, for me, I'm at that point in my career, I've been lucky. I've been able to do this my whole life. So I'm really trying to give back and, and make sure that I leave behind a knowledge base of information and just to help current photographers, you know, really avoid the mistakes and, and really improve. So that was, that was this week's. And then, uh, next week, next week's the scary one. Um, (laughs) part of the reason why I interviewed Robert is I needed him to do me a favor. And that is that my listeners on Talk Chat have been asking for a while to say, you know, we want you to interview yourself. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> well, that would just be weird, but maybe I could have somebody interview me. And so I uh, had the folks in my Facebook group uh, submit questions. Yep. And I took those questions, sent them over to Robert and said, okay, you know, Use whichever ones you feel like using and whichever ones you don't, I'll make it a point to record a little video for the Facebook group and I'll, you know, answer the ones that don't get answered. So we also recorded an interview with him interviewing me nice. uh, and answering all these questions, which was actually, it was kind of fun, but, um, yeah, so, so that's been it. I mean, it, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this whole podcast thing. I don't have quite the experience that, you know, that you guys do, but it's, uh, it's coming along and, uh, you know, I'm getting there. Cool. I will tell you, one photo thing I saw this week, so here, if you're, since we were looking at pictures where you know the eyes were kind of weird and we're talking about all that stuff, yeah. yep. I don't know if it's hit the news down there yet, and I don't know if this website is particularly big in Australia, but it's been all over the news here um, the last week, and more importantly, it's been all over TikTok, because if it ain't on TikTok, it ain't happening, right? <laughs> right. So it's, it's the website called MyHeritage or MyHeritage.com. Uh it's one of those websites where you you know you can join up and unfortunately it's kind of expensive, but you can use your DNA and, and you can track your family tree and put together your whole family tree, that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: they they have used some artificial intelligence and it's freaky. And you can upload an image of like a deceased relative, and it could be a really old image. And It enhances the photos, but also essentially kind of brings them to life Okay, and um, literally like changes, you know, in a video, it allows them to smile and look around the room. So it completely animates the person's image, which is just amazing. So they, they call it deep nostalgia. That's really? what they call it at MyHeritage.com. And I'll, I'll make sure, I'll send you the link when we're done so you can post it. Okay. Uh, they have like a whole gallery of samples and that. But yeah, you can upload a still picture of someone dead or alive, doesn't matter. But this technology then animates that wow. picture. Wow. And I gotta tell you, you know, you see all the stuff all the time about deep fakes and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. This is This is that technology, like really coming into its own. I and for me at least, this is this is the highest quality of this kind of shall we say deep fake. Um I hate to make it sound bad because it's actually kind of really neat, but certainly you can imagine this this could be used in a lot of really crazy ways. Yeah. Um so yeah so you can actually you can do it for free. Oh yeah. You you could you can sign up, you know, for a free account, upload your picture And, um, it's amazing. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. So it's kind of worth taking 10 minutes and just playing with it just to see it and to maybe understand a little bit about like, just look at what we're going to be able to do, you know, down the road. Um, and yeah, there will be good and there will be bad, (laughs) but, but nonetheless, uh, it's, it's kind of cool.
0: Now, I don't know if it was related to MyHeritage.com or not, but I did hear Mm -hmm. Leo Laporte this week, either on This Week in Tech or on This Week in Google, talking Mm -hmm. about, I think it's a commercial that's been made in the US where they've animated the face of Abe Lincoln? Uh, I think actually that was part of the My Heritage thing. I, right. yes, if I'm
1: not mistaken, I saw that. So right now here in the US, all of this kind of facial AI and deepfake stuff, it's all over the news right now because there's also uh there's a series of video clips that have been making the rounds on TikTok that are of Tom Cruise. Yes, and if right. you pay really, really close attention the voice is a little off right but like when you're watching it man it's it's tom cruise there's like no doubt you're watching (laughs) tom cruise okay (laughs) and then finally the guy behind them i guess kind of gave himself up to say let me show you what i've been doing and actually showed you how in the videos it's him wow and he's adding tom cruise's face and he does a really, really good Tom Cruise voice impression, but it's not perfect. Right. Right? So so if you're really paying attention, that's kind of the giveaway. His his voice is slightly higher pitched than Tom Cruise. But <laughs> um, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah, and, right. And basically, he's filming these these clips, and then he's taking Tom Cruise's face and basically... You know, patching it over top of his and yeah. blending it and animating it, and it's incredible. And I'm sure, realistically, it's probably some of the same technology that MyHeritage is using, and vice versa. While I'm sure there's different people working in this in different ways, I'm sure lots of it overlaps by now.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So it yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But when you look at these MyHeritage ones, even like you know the one that's on on their their website, the first one that you see, it's a black and white shot. Uh, originally of a couple a man and a woman and they zoom in in a close-up of the woman's face and instead of just you know static she's moving her head all around and she's looking in different directions so (laughs) her head her mouth her eyes are all changing and even the catch lights in the eyes move according to where (laughs) she's looking wow so I, oh it is it is amazing like she dips her head down and the catch lights slide up to the you know the top edge of the eyeballs and everything it, wow. it's wow so yeah we're we're talking some pretty crazy stuff so i mean obviously I, I don't think it's kind of necessarily a big impact on photography but it it's just kind of fun it's cool to see you know what we're able to do with with technology we have and i think if nothing else it's just a reminder to photographers don't be a dinosaur you know, think outside the box, imagine, imagine what can be. Cause to me, actually, I think the coolest thing about photography today, and I know not everybody thinks this way, but I think the coolest thing about photography is that my, the only limitations that I have are indeed my own imagination. If I can imagine it today, I can create it. Yep. Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, right? you know, because to go back 30 years ago, shooting film, that certainly was not the case. Not unless you had an unlimited budget and yeah. You know, resources. Yeah. Um, but you know, today, if I can imagine it, I can, I can create that image. It's possible. Yeah. So I think this kind of stuff, again, doesn't change the photography world, but definitely worth paying attention to because it, it gives you a sense of
0: possibilities. And that's, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Gadigal? I did not, no. So, I mean, it's probably a, oh, I'm going to say a 15, maybe even 20-year-old film now. Okay. But it was set in a, well, I don't know if it was dystopian, but it was set in the future. Oh, well, there you go. That's the right there. I'm sci-fi. <laughs> it had got to the point of everyone... Had to be careful not to leave traces of their DNA anywhere, because it could be used to, you know, nefariously incriminate you in a crime that you weren't a part of, mm. or, or whatever. And so you had yep. had these cases where. You know, people would make sure that they, you know, vacuumed up the area where they were sitting so they weren't leaving dead skin cells and hair follicles and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of think about where we're headed with, you know, it was a massive game changer to be able to, you know, and certainly the porn industry did this. Probably the best to take somebody's face and impose it on somebody else's body yep. um, sure. in a photographic image and make it look mm-hmm. like, you know, hey, pick your favorite starlet and here she is doing whatever you wanted to do kind of thing. Yep. That was bad enough. But now we're at a point where this can be done with video and it kind of opens the floodgates for how do you defend yourself if someone takes your image you know you take any one of us like you or me who are in the public sphere whose Mm -hmm. whose likeness can be found all over youtube and that you know can then be taken from youtube and extracted and we could then you know have our faces mapped onto you know some crazy gunman running through the streets of the city or or whatever and then suddenly someone's someone's claiming joe edelman went on a a shooting rampage through the streets of allentown you know and and how do you defend yourself from that
1: yeah well that that's what all the news channels (laughs) are talking about here because when they're showing this off they're like you know what's going to happen when we get this to the point that it's so seamless that that law enforcement can't, you know, tell. can't tell the difference. And it's, it's not just video, Bruce, it's audio. So I use, totally. you know, in order to generate transcripts from like my YouTube videos and my podcasts and all that type of thing, I use a program from a company called Descript. Yes. You mentioned so that last... I can, I can upload my audio and it's going to give me a transcript of it and everything. And then I can look at it and say, you know what? I don't know why I answered that question that way. I want to change the answer. So when I first signed up with this service, I had to spend the best part of an hour. I think I got the 50 minutes. You can do it in as little as 20, but you get better quality the longer you read. And they have a script that you read into a microphone and it records you. And it literally, it's like, imagine narrating a National Geographic special. That's what the script is, like literally, okay? So you read this script. And they keep encouraging you, you know, the longer you go, the better quality we're going to be able to get. And so if you have a sentence that you want to completely eliminate that sentence, but change what you said, you highlight the sentence, delete it. And then at your cursor, you type in the words that you want to be there and you click overdub and it puts my voice into the script. And it does, it's not perfect. And obviously since I know my voice and I know my speech patterns, it's not perfect with the speech patterns, but I'll tell you what, if somebody doesn't know me, it is a hundred percent convincing. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's not only just video, but it's audio capability as well. On one hand, it's really cool. On the other hand, absolutely. There is the potential for a lot of problems
0: to come up. For misuse. Yeah. Sure totally wow wow crazy times we live in mr edelman yep indeed (laughs) indeed and then your
1: partner's off somewhere just you know doing whatever yeah that's right uh
0: hopefully he'll be back next week and he can tell us all about what he did so uh, yeah there you go well mate thank you once again for stepping in as always my pleasure Mate, it's great to have you. Always uh, a joy to talk with you, and uh, I, uh, I hope everything you know stays on track through until August, and you can actually get to your speaking engagement in Texas. <laughs> you and uh, you and me both. It's, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> ride, but yeah, uh, fingers crossed. Sounds good, mate. All right. Well, you take care, and we will uh, hopefully talk to you again soon. All right, Bruce. Have a great week. Take care. You too, mate. Shutters is ink. Audio to quality podcast. For questions, comments, and feedback, email the boys at shutters